Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Counter, everybody. I'm Chris Corman. He's Charles McDonald. Charles, man, uh, three games uh, last week were with, within uh, a touchdown. Yeah, that's uh, I, I what what is going on in the NFL this year? Is there like an overarching answer to why the NFL is seemingly even weirder than it usually is or just this is sort of how it goes? I don't know. It's kind of a, a weird season. And you know, it, it's funny because um, like a couple of weeks ago when the season started, like I was, you know, talking to my friends that cover the league or not cover the league, but just, you know, watch football pretty casually. And they're like, man, like. This has been a really fun, you know, competitive football season. And I feel like over the past couple of weeks, it's just been awful. Like we were just talking before uh, we got on the podcast. Like, you know, it's a bad week when even red zone is kind of boring. Like, so you go back to Thursday, Miami beats Baltimore by two scores. Dallas, I mean, just punts Atlanta to the moon, 43 to three. Uh, the Patriots won 45 to seven. The Bills won 45 to 17. Washington won 29 to 19. Carolina won 34 to 10. Philly won 30 to 19. Green Bay won 17 to nothing. Kansas City won 41 to 14. And then San Francisco won 31 to 10. So, yeah, there wasn't really that much to like go over about. Uh, I, I guess like outside of like title teams kind of getting blown out like the uh, like the Rams on Monday night. But, you know, it's been a pretty, I guess, awful week over the past, you know, couple of weeks where every every game just feels like a blowout in one way. Yeah. I mean, to me, the obviously the Chiefs finally doing what we thought the Chiefs would do every game this year. Uh, finally turning that on, which we mentioned last week in the podcast, like we're kind of expecting it to happen eventually. And it did. I mean, I, mean, I don't think everything is solved. The Raiders obviously have their own problems, but uh, I think that cleared up the picture a little bit with the AFC. We know that that team is probably going to be there and be in the mix uh, along with the Bills and the Titans, you know, continue to find ways to win games. Uh, the NFC got a lot muddier uh, just because the Rams and Cardinals both had so much trouble with teams that, you know, frankly, they probably should not have had trouble with. Uh, the Niners, you know, I mean, are obviously well coached, and, and we had high, higher hopes for them going into the season, but I mean, they hadn't won at home in uh, more than a year. At yeah. This point. So, um, you know, it continues. It's just, I mean, the Cowboys crushed the Falcons. Like, who knows? Yeah, I just, is I, that the Cowboys being great or is that the Falcons playing like they did in week one? You know, like, no, I mean, for me, like, I, I kind of got some flack from Falcons fans for my power ranking because I had them at like 23 when they were four and four. I'm like, dude, like, are you guys really watching this team? <laughs> are you, like, are you really, really watching this team? Because if you are, like, it, it's fun, and they got some fun players, but they're not actually good. So, uh, like, when they go to Dallas and get shellacked, like, I wasn't really that surprised. Like, I was surprised that, you know, they gave up 36 points and a half, but I didn't expect them to, to really win that game. I thought that maybe they could cover, like, the seven and a half, eight-point spread with, like, some backdoor stuff, like, at the end. But uh, I didn't really expect that to be competitive. Now, not that right. bad, but it, it was still hideous. You want to hear – a Matt Ryan stat that will blow your mind from this past weekend that I just saw on Twitter. Poor Matt Ryan. Yeah, hit uh, me with it. This is from at uh, Sleeper HQ. I think they're like a fantasy website. Uh, yeah, they are. So Matt Ryan in week 10 uh, was QB 34 among all <laughs> the uh, fantasy quarterbacks that were available to you. Remember, there are 32 teams in the NFL <laughs> and four teams were on a bye. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, there were what, uh, 28 teams playing on Sunday and he finished as the 34th best quarterback. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not exactly what you're hoping to see out of, uh, Matt Ryan. Yeah. No, I mean, and and the, the best part about all that is like literally the week before, like I was singing his praises, Mina was singing his praises. Everyone on ESPN was like, if he keeps this up, you know, right. he can, he's really established himself as someone who can go on like a late career run and then last week happens. You're like, ah, there's the Falcons again. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, the NFL. I mean, the Cowboys, like, yeah, sure, the Cowboys look great, but they lost to Denver the week before, and then Denver got 
thumped by the Eagles, and the Eagles are not a good football team. Uh, it's so I, you know, if you get into the whole like transitive who beat who and what do we make of it this year, it's there's that path is not really taking you anywhere uh, yeah. for this season. We, yeah, I think I think we're just sort of trusting. Yeah, I mean, it's more than ever. Like we talked about this with the power ranks. So like you kind of just sort of try to read into it. Like which one of these teams is going to be able to do it consistently? Going to going to grow a little bit, and which which one has some proven ability to do it in the playoffs? Like you just sort of have to extrapolate all that out as we mm-hmm. figure out this year. Yep. Uh, so you want to get in the four verts? Uh, I do. Let's let's actually do the awards first. We're gonna hit. So we're gonna hit the awards today. Because uh, uh, Chuck published earlier this week his his awards, and then we're gonna get into the Forbert's column. We'll touch on four different storylines that he uh, liked the most, and then we will do picks against the spread. Uh, I I haven't even looked at your record from last week. How, how did you do? Uh, oh, three and eleven, Charles. Come uh, on, nice. This is, this no, I, I knew as the games were going on, I was like, ah, this is not a good week for me. And honestly, when I fill up the thing, I didn't even look to see what that's, my uh, that's, that's what type of year it is. Yeah, I, I didn't even know what my record was, but I knew it was bad. I think I wrote something like I was hacked on the page. <laughs> that was not me. Amazing. Um, all right, let's go into your award. So uh, we do, it's sort of like the midseason awards. Uh, you have a lot more fun with them than a lot of people, it, as you should, I think, because... Uh, it's just a mid-season award thing. It's, you know, who knows what's going to happen the rest of the year. It doesn't really matter all that much. Your most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to win the award in real life because I don't know. Like, because, you know, the voters with the, uh, you know, like the people who vote on the uh, MVP award, they care a lot about counting stats. I don't know if he's going to have, like, the raw numbers just to to be – someone I guess he awarded at the end of the season. But to me, just the way that I look at it, it I, I can't imagine, like, most people you put into this offense and they're, like, figuring out how to <laughs> win games on a pretty consistent basis. That's such a uh, funny thing to even think about anyone else in the Ravens' offense and what it would look – I mean, it would just be – Dude, yeah. And maybe Kyler. You know, like, there's – like, I don't – That's what I'm saying. It's like – it's Kyler uh, – like if you put Tom Brady out there, like I don't think it looks that great, because uh, like with this supported cast, like you need someone who can you know kind of get things going. And, I, and you know, I I will say, not to say that he's like playing with a whole bunch of scrubs, uh, but you know Rashad Bateman is still a rookie; he's getting used to it. Marquise uh, Brown has been inconsistent throughout the year, and really, like to me, when I'm watching Lamar Jackson now, it kind of reminds me of like the old Cam Newton stuff where it's just like, all right, there's Cam and he's got like Greg Olson and go win some games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> later, later in the career, you get Christian McCaffrey. So maybe hopefully they can get like another stud in there for Lamar or maybe when they get Gus and JK back next year, that's going to be uh, a big help. But just when I look at the Ravens, I just got, I was kind of thinking like how many quarterbacks if he put in this offense would they even have a winning record? And like, right. you know, there's Kyler, uh, maybe a healthy Russ, Maybe Dak Prescott, but uh, to me, I don't know anyone doing more with less than Lamar Jackson. And uh, honestly, like I don't think this Ravens team is very good. Uh, their defense has been horrendous this year. Uh, obviously, they've suffered an insane amount of injuries on both sides of the ball. But you know, you can't really predict that. But just when you look at like the amount of lifting that Lamar has to do, the fact that they're you know six and four, six and three is, is really impressive to me. Yeah, I mean, it's the age-old debate, right? The old, the, the like. Is it the most valuable player or is it the best player? Like the award is literally called most valuable, so yeah, uh, it it, sh- it should be given to that person who provides the most value to their team. It it generally is not because so often mediocre or bad teams are the ones who are uplifted uh, by by a single player. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, good teams are good all around, and then they elevate <laughs> the best players and they look better, and they end up winning. And that's how it goes. I mean, we've been doing this for literal decades now. Yep. A century, I guess. It's been a long time. Uh, offensive player of the year, you got Kyler Murray. Uh, yeah, Kyler, this, I mean, I just think he's been unbelievable this year. And I think what's interesting about Kyler is uh, he's probably having, or not probably, like he's definitely having the worst rushing season of his, uh, you know, pretty short career up to this point. But uh, the passing has taken just a total 
leap uh, this year. So right now, Kyler is leading the league in completion percentage, yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt, net yards per attempt. He's fourth in QBR, uh, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions. The interception percentage is the highest of his career, but you know he's kind of offsetting it with uh, a bunch of the plays that he's able to make in and outside the pocket. And I think when you know you look at where he's kind of grown in his game, you know, to me, like there really isn't anything that he can't do out there anymore. And the fact that he's able to carry this load as like a 24 year old uh, uh, player is really, really impressive to me. And the only reason I didn't give him MVP is because I think he's got a better supporting cast uh, than Lamar Jackson, a a better coach than Lamar Jackson. Uh, So that was kind of like the, the edge for me, but I think Kyler, you know, in real life has a great chance to win this award. Uh, and his play this year has been crazy. And I think, you know, if they can go in the, in the back of this, like the second half of the season when he gets back from his injury, if they can kind of get that run game from him going, because right now, so if you look at Kyler's stats, he's averaging as a rookie 5.8 yards per attempt last year, 6.2 yards per attempt and 11 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, this year, he's only averaging three yards per attempt. Uh, and three touchdowns. So, you know, I think part of that probably has to do with him being slowed down with an injury. But uh, if he can get healthy and, and really get that, you know, the explosiveness back for him, I really don't see why he can't just burn down a league and win MVP uh, towards the back half of the season. Yeah, we we talk about two hours a week on this show uh, most weeks of the year. So we, we say a lot of stuff about football. A, a lot of it is probably wrong. I for, I've forgotten all the wrong things we've said, but – we definitely were on the, like, it's time for uh, Cliff Kingsbury to unleash Kyler Murray and let him throw the ball downfield. Uh, you know, like, the offense was designed to limit those throws in previous years. We would look at his uh, his, his pass charts after each game and, and say, you know, he's not even getting the shots to do this. Like, the offense is built this way. It needs to change. And it did. And he has been every bit as good as I think we predicted. So we got one thing right good for us defensive player of the year miles garrett yeah this one was super easy uh <laughs> this guy's gonna break the sack record probably uh he's got a sack in every game except for one this year he absolutely destroyed the bears a few weeks ago uh which prompt like if you read the article there's a picture of miles garrett helping justin fields up and that was just honestly part of the reason why i picked it but uh he is totally deserving of this award and i i, I just think these stories are cool like when you get the, I don't know, like the LeBron James, Miles Garrett, like self, like self fulfilling prophecy, where you know, like Miles Garrett was talking about being this dude when he was like 15 years old, like in high school, right. uh, and then he, you know, fulfills all those lofty goals at Texas A&M, uh, comes out first pick in the draft, and he's just an absolute total monster. Uh, I mean, if he keeps this up for even just like two or three more years, he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, you look up at at, at his stats on Pro Football Re- Reference, uh, he had seven sacks in 11 games as a rookie, which is like a pretty good indicator. Oh, okay, this guy's different. Uh, 13 and a half sacks, 16 games, 10 sacks in 10 games last year, 12 sacks in 14 games last year, and now he has 13 sacks in just 10 games this year. So, uh, like, this guy is just playing out of his mind. He's totally unblockable. And, like, if you just watch him, uh, like, teams are devoting a lot of pass protection, like, attention towards Miles Garrett. And he's just blowing through double teams, blowing through chip blocks, running around the edge, getting strip sacks. I mean, there really is nothing that this guy cannot do in terms of just being a complete game wrecker uh, for the Browns. So, uh, for me, he was a pretty easy choice for defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's just been... He's been amazing. Uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Jamar Chase. Uh, you know, the fun story. Surprising after how much he struggled in the preseason. And he's really just been, uh, you know, he's just picked up his connection with, with Joe Burrow. Yeah, I don't really know who else this would be. So yeah. uh, I, I know the rookie has had like a 200-yard game this year. Or uh, like I think to start the season, what, he had like, uh, oh, 754 yards through the first seven games, which was like not just a rookie record, but an NFL record too. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's Jamar Chase. Not even close. Yeah, Patrick Sertain the second is your defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, that was a, a a hard one for me, only because like I just didn't really know like who to give this to because I feel like we've seen a lot of pretty strong uh, performances from the 2021 draft class. Like 
Uh, obviously, Sertain, uh, J.C. Horan's playing well before he got hurt. Micah Parsons has been an absolute monster for Dallas. But uh, I was, I've just been impressed because I think when you look at how hard it is to come in and just play cornerback at an NFL level, uh, the fact that he's been able to do that, not just like a high level for a rookie, but just a high level in general, has been super-duper impressive. So, uh, you know, anytime you look like you're going to start for a decade as a rookie, uh, you're doing the right thing, and especially at a position like cornerback. Uh, that's that's pretty tough to do. And I think that so far, like the evaluations on this cornerback class have been like spot on where, you know, J.C. Horn was great before he got hurt. Patrick yep. Tain obviously been great. Uh, Greg Newsom for the Browns has been incredible, too. Eric Stokes uh, for the Packers. He's been great, too, and like really rounding out that secondary. So, you know, the fact that all these guys are able to come in and play at a super high level kind of speaks to the talent at that position right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sertain is so polished. He's just like, right. he's really, uh, so often you see, uh, well, on both sides, the cornerbacks and wide receivers, like, they just, so much of it at this level is about little technique things. And uh, it takes a little bit for them to to figure that out. And Sertain is not like, I don't, you know, I, my impression of him coming out of college was not that he was super agile, super athletic. Like he was a guy and maybe that's how he was getting it done there too, is that he was using sort of elevated technique and, and precision to, to be so good. And that that's why it translated, but he's just, I mean, he's just looked flawless yeah. um, playing at the NFL level. And he, he's um, a big dude too. Like, yeah, right. Like he's not like a lot of times small corners can make the adjustment a little bit quicker. Like you see big corners. Strong. Yeah, he's uh, he measured at the combine six two two oh eight, ran a four four two. Where are these where are these guys coming from? Like obviously his his dad played in the NFL, but I just watch college football sometimes. I'm like, dude, how are you this big at like nineteen years old? <laughs> uh uh comeback player of the year, Dak Prescott. Uh yeah, I come on. Who else could this be? Last like last time we saw him before this season, his leg was like in two pieces in the ground, uh, and he's established himself as a legit MVP candidate. So this is to me like what the award is about. Uh, the, like if, if he had just come in and played competent football, he probably would have won. But the fact that he's like legit playing at a really really high level right now, uh, I really I really don't think there's enough you can say about the performance he's done this year because. Hey, if an injury like that ever happened to me, I'm retiring. I'm done. Uh, when the car pulls me out, I'm doing a thumbs down. I'm not good. <laughs> uh, so I, I would be totally done. And the fact that he's able to come back and play at this high level is really impressive. <laughs> My leg is broken. No, I'm not this okay. Is, I, I gotta say, stop, I stole that. Stop cheering. I, I, I stole that line from my buddy uh, Trill Withers at Tyler Am on Twitter. Because I don't remember who it was, but a few years ago, uh, someone got carted off and they're giving it the, like, you know, the, the thumbs up thing. And he tweeted, he was like, bro, if I ever end up in a situation where I'm strapped down to a car, I'm giving the thumbs down. Like, I, I, there's nothing good happening to me right now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk and the thumbs up. Like, that's just not, that's not a realistic thing. Like, that's going through my head right now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Coach of the Year Kingsbury, we 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 already praised him. Do you have any other? Yeah, praise? no, I, I I just I gave it to this this to him because I mainly I, I thought that game against the 49ers a couple of weeks ago was really impressive because uh, you know you're you're missing Cole McCoy, DeAndre Hopkins, and you really didn't miss a beat. Now last week was a little tougher uh, against the Panthers because you know that that defense was back and uh, Cam Newton I think really like provided a big emotional jolt for them. Uh, so that was kind of tough, but. Just in general, I think he's done a, a, a much better job in recent weeks of marrying like the off-structure stuff with the in-structure stuff and how they're able to play just a more cohesive style of offense. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how far the Cardinals go because right now, like once they're healthy again, I don't really know, you know, a team that, you know, I, I don't really know if there's a team that like really can stop them uh, at this point. Uh, all right, now we're going to get into – so you guys should really go to the site for the win uh, to read this post because Charles has picked some of his funniest bits of film. We've got best blooper of the year is Russell Gage. Uh, Russell Gage's late Olympic trial. This is a game against the Saints where Gage thinks that he's about to get tackled around the legs and he jumps 
<laughs> the defensive back just stands there, lets him land, and tackles him. It's yeah, hilarious. it's it's incredible. So, like, if you're not reading, if you're not like following along with the post, I'm just going to describe this to you. So, so, you know, Matt Ryan drops back to pass. Russell Gage runs a great crossing route, inbreaker, wide open, catches the ball. And at about the 31-yard line, or maybe the 26-yard line, he gets ready to hurdle a defender who is standing at the 22-yard line. Uh, so, you know, if, if he could pull this off, I mean, dude, you need to go to the Olympics. Like, there's no reason for you to be here. So he jumps at the 25-yard the line. The defender has not moved, and he lands before the guy can even tackle him. So... He thought he was going to hurdle. The guy, like Corman said, did not move, and it just ended up moving goofy. Luckily, he held onto the ball, didn't fumble, as like five Saints defenders tried to punch it out of his hands. Everyone was everyone was so surprised too. Like he just landed, and he actually didn't get tackled. He he got surrounded. He like yeah. landed, and everyone had arrived at that point, and they were just yeah. like, "Wait, what?" What's and, a- they, and they just like gathered around him, and like you said, they were trying to punch the ball out. But it was- <laughs> yeah, I can't. Like it was so funny, Brett, because at the end. After he lands, like he's just trying to hold on to the ball, and literally, like four Saints are punching him in the chest, trying to get the ball out. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the next time, Russell, uh, you know, <laughs> just you got drive through that tackle, Russell. Right, just, just drive run. through it, man. Just run. You got pads on, you'll be okay. You're tough, dude. You, you know that you know that he was like thinking about that for weeks. Like, I'm I'm gonna hurdle a guy this yeah. year. It's gonna happen because you, oh. you got to plan it out in your head. You got to yeah. you got to think about that. But uh, it was. Uh, it was pretty funny, but I don't. I don't even know if it was as funny as the next play we're about to go over. Yeah, the uh, Ben Ross, Roethlisberger throw of the year. I don't know. I feel bad that you had. You must have watched just hours of film to pick the worst of the Roethlisberger throws because he is doing this particular bad thing with astonishing frequency. Well, uh, this is just a little dump off to Juju going over the middle. They're trying to pick up what, like six yards? I don't five know, yards. Seven, five yards. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's breathtaking. <laughs> uh, it's just so bad. Yeah, so this this was like par- earlier in the season when the Steelers like they were basically just doing whatever Big Ben wanted to do on offense. They've kind of mm-hmm. gotten away from that in recent weeks, but this was just uh, peak Ben. Like, so I, I, honestly, I had been saving like all these plays where Ben had forces teammates like to try to run <laughs> over an entire defense uh get a first down like there's one versus uh Najee Harris I think versus the Bengals where it's like fourth and 11 and Ben throws a swing pass before the routes can even develop and Najee's <laughs> just like dude like I'm one yard behind the, the line of scrimmage and I'm fourth and 11 I gotta go fight through all these guys and I think I'll tackle for like a, a like a no uh like for zero yards so uh this play is versus the Packers and it's fourth and five the Packers are, are the, the Steelers are running like a little their little mesh concept with two receivers right. running across the field, and Ben throws the ball like a half yard past the line of scrimmage to Juju Smith Schuster, who is like in the arms of Devondre Campbell as he catches the ball, and I don't think Juju realized like how far away he was from the first down marker when he caught this ball because he catches it, tries to wrestle away from <laughs> Devondre Campbell. And then tries like do this Mister Fantastic stretch. <laughs> he's he's legit still like four yards away from the first down marker and tries to stretch towards the first down marker. Doesn't even get close, and they have to turn the ball over and down. So this is when Ben was just still leaving his teammates out to dry with ridiculous passes and just the image of Juju stretching out and not even getting close just tickles me greatly on the inside. Yeah, I mean he catches the ball a half yard past the line of scrimmage on his shoelaces behind him. So, you know, it, he's running a route to the left. He's, he's flowing left and he has to reach back uh, to get, to get the ball. And then the linebacker is waiting for him. And then he reaches out and he's like, I, he, I don't even think he gets halfway there. Yeah. It, uh, he does. The, the, you're right. The stretch is heroic. He gets pretty, he gets, a lot closer than I thought he did, but he's still like two yards short. Yeah, I I would almost feel bad for Ben Roethlisberger if I didn't remember that he's probably slime ball of you. Yeah, he so, sucks, and uh, he still has a certain members of the media still willing to carry water for him, even though we know he's a certified bad guy. So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I, mean, you're, I, I, I mean that could be I could do a whole podcast right on that. Yeah, you could uh, you just described like half the NFL. Uh, EPA King. So this is uh, basically your underrated 
a guy who's who's putting up big advanced numbers that maybe uh, the regular counting stats aren't picking up on. Yeah, so for this one, I picked uh, Tim Patrick, who's a wide receiver for uh, the Denver Broncos. And he's kind of been a guy that's been uh, underrated for a couple of years now. But I think this year he's, like, really put it together. So, you know, you look at his counting stats, and they're good. Like, he's averaging 52 yards per game, uh, 523 yards, four touchdowns. It's, it's been a pretty solid year for someone who you don't really consider, like, a, a number one target. But, uh, you know, Sports uh, Info Solutions, their EPA numbers really love him. Uh, so right now, Tim Patrick is uh, sixth in expected points added for all receiving options. It includes wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, uh, sixth in the league uh, in terms of EPA. So he has uh, 28.99 uh, expected points added, and that's ahead of guys like Tyree Kill, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, obviously like Julio Jones has been injured, but uh, this guy is – really clutch he's been coming up in big situation for the broncos all season and uh you know these these kind of guys like are interesting to watch because you know they're not going to put up you know 100 200 yards in the game but they'll keep it moving the score touchdowns maybe a big play here or there when you need it and i think that he's been a really uh he's grown into a really nice piece for that broncos offense and i think after the season he's going to be up for a contract so uh, this is just a really good spot for him to be in. Uh, and I'm excited to see how he cashes in because I really like watching him play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, smart. Uh, you're going to, I think the trend is probably going to be that you'll see guys like Patrick getting a little bit more money. Uh, like Nelson Algalor got more money than people thought. And, and part of that was that, you know, he, the narrative around him was that he couldn't catch in Philly. And that was like sort of a funny thing, but like his underlying numbers have not always been that bad. He's doing something correctly and, uh, yeah Patrick, Patrick fits in there uh, we're gonna see those those types of players get a little bit of extra money to, to sign places because they really do have that impact I mean, it's, it's, it's there it's just not as visible uh, stay strong bud it gets better award man I could <laughs> I could think of so many people this could go to but you I love this pick though this is, yeah this, it, is, this is a pick with some news currency to it it's, yeah it's fresh uh, so this one goes out to Robbie Anderson, uh, the Carolina Panthers. And I, I got to know Robbie a little bit uh, when I was covering the Jets. He's a great dude, very passionate about football, even if he's like kind of low-key personality-wise. And I tell you what, that game against the Patriots, uh, I couldn't find the picture when I was putting this together. But if you can, there's a picture after Sam Darnold throws, I think his third interception of the game, Uh where Robbie was being targeted or, you know, something like that. And Robbie gets over to the sideline and shows more emotion than I've ever seen him show during a game of football. I mean, he is glaring, he's mad, he's yelling. Uh, And then he was blessed with Cam Newton. And, you know, the Panthers, they win 34 to 10 against the Cardinals. Cam doesn't play that much, but he still scores two touchdowns on his first two snaps. And after the game, Robbie and Cam, they're doing their, like press conference together and Cam <laughs> rips out this Bible verse uh, and Robbie looks at him like, like he's just falling in love. Like it's, he's like, Oh, Dobby is free. Robbie is free. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of funny to watch because literally just like a week before that, he looked like he was ready to stab Sam Donald. And now he's just totally infatuated with, uh, the play of Cam Newton and like the the style of leadership that Cam brings, and I, I just thought that that was really funny to watch. I so think it's gonna get to, better for you, Robbie. I think I, I stopped it at the six second mark of this video that you have in here. We we have, we have to isolate on Robbie's face here and tweet this out. <laughs> he's, he is just so happy, like oh, <laughs> Cam. It's like. He's just like waiting for wisdom too. He's like, he's like both happy and he's like, wow, Cam's about to say something super profound. And of course, Cam is wearing an, a crazy hat and a Panthers sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so good. But I, I think that that was also interesting because you hear the reports where, you know, where teams are, they're afraid to sign Cam as a backup because of literally like how much people love being around him. <laughs> uh, and I think you kind of see it like, oh, okay. Like, like he's really like this infectious of a personality. Cause obviously like Cam has stature with the Panthers is like probably the best player in franchise history. Like maybe Luke Keekler or Thomas Davis, but he's certainly right. uh, in that, you know, stratosphere of player for the Panthers. And, but Robbie's never played with him. So the fact that he's able to like just grab people's attention like that, I think is 
kind of powerful. It's weird. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, let's go to the four verts now. Um, got a couple different storylines here. We're going to dig in uh, on the Jets, a team you know well. Uh, we'll talk about the Patriots defense being seemingly all the way back. Uh, we'll talk about Russell, Russell Wilson, who looked like a guy who just had a pin yanked out of his hand not that long ago when he was trying to play football over the weekend and question whether that was the right move. But we're going to start with the Buccaneers. Um, you know, still probably one of the Super Bowl favorites, a team that's, that everyone expects to uh, have a deep run in the playoffs and be in contention. But, uh, you know, Tom Brady looked really bad against the really bad Washington football team, and then he was really pissy after the game, only spoke to the media for like 29 seconds. And it, was, it was not very long. Um, he since has clarified and said that, you know, when you're as old as he is, which is 44 years old, that he you know, feels a lot of pressure to win, to try to win every game. And there's just a lot of that building around him. So I'm wondering what you think. I mean, did this team get exposed? Is there a reason to worry? Uh, is Tom Brady in fact going to not win his 89th Super Bowl this year? No, I, I think what this game did for me is it, it just kind of reinforced the idea of like how hard it is for a defense to win you a game in today's NFL because like the Bucks offense, I don't really think that this is like a moratorium or referendum on like what this is going to be and how to beat the Bucks because I was like Tom Brady, he just had an off day. Uh, and even like that's not the first time he's done that. Won't be the last time he does that. But, you know, it's kind of out of character for what he's done for. Uh, the vast majority of the season. So, like, I wouldn't really get too worried about it. Like, to me, I kind of look at it like the Bills game against the Jaguars where, like, yeah, in a one-off thing, that was really bad. But uh, over the course of the season, I, I don't think that that's going to be who they are. And then next weekend, they just absolutely blew out the Jets 45 to 17. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be a big deal for the Bucks, but it's just kind of like a lesson for NFL fans in general where you're like, okay, uh, we – need the offense to do a little bit more because even a bad team like the Washington football team, if they can make just enough plays and convert like just enough with downs, then uh, even they can upset a good team uh, like Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay is still a very good team, probably still one of the best teams in the NFC, like up there with the Cowboys and the Packers and the Cardinals. Um, but, you know, they had an off day. I wouldn't like spin that forward too far, but to me it's just like, okay, like, even if you get into the playoffs, like, kind of everything needs to be rolling, everything needs to be moving in the same uh, productive uh, direction, and they didn't have that on Sunday. Yeah, and, I mean, every team needs to evolve during the season, too, right? Like, it's not – I think anyone who thought that the Bucks could just come into this year with literally the same team that won the Super Bowl last year and do the same things, like, that's just not how the NFL works, right? Like, there's so much time spent uh, going through film of what teams are doing creating counter game plans to try to figure that out. And then offensive coaches are doing the same thing, looking at defenses and like there's, uh, it's impossible to measure how much of that stuff goes on now and how much like technology makes it so much easier to do and to break all that down quickly and make those adjustments on the fly. Like as good as we are, you know, like we're obviously in a great age of having people like some of our friends on Twitter, like coach Bass and like, other people who are breaking down film and telling us what's going on with schematic adjustments. But like the NFL coaches are getting paid millions of dollars to figure it out on the fly and make it ever more complicated. Like all that stuff needs to happen as, as you go during the season, like obviously Tampa was going to have to change what they're doing or else people would catch up and like, you know, this is probably a wake up for them. If anything, you know, it's just that showed some weaknesses and some flaws where they are and, uh, see how they adjust. Uh, that brings us to the Patriots defense, which again, like that's, <laughs> this is what makes Bill Belichick probably the best defensive coach of all time is that he uh, really sort of uh, perfected the idea of adjusting your game plan week to week based on who you're going to face and being able to have lots of different pieces that he can move around and make the defense sort of, uh, shift shapes as needed, and after a year of not having that, they lost a lot of guys to the a lot of COVID opt outs. 
Uh, last year's defense was nothing like a regular Patriots defense, and your observation is that it feels like they're back. Yeah, I I think that what's most interesting about the Patriots defense is like, you know, there's there's like a saying in football where teams tend to take on the personality of their head coach. And, you know, I don't really know how much I always buy into that, but like it's interesting to me because you listen to Bill Belichick like in a press conference, just like this monotone, boring, just, you know, I'm here and I don't like any of you guys and I'm just doing this because it's mandated in my contract. If I didn't have to, I would never talk to anyone in the media ever in my entire life. But then when you watch him coach and you watch how the Patriots play, like they are running through people's faces. Like it's unbelievable. Like Dante Hightower, Dewan Bentley, like those guys do not care about any brain cells, any limbs that they're worried about like post-career uh, it's just really fascinating to watch uh, <laughs> on, on that aspect, like just watching these people just play a style of football that is so violent that, you know, I kind of worry about their safety. But uh, it's kind of let let them become this overwhelming defense again where no one's really been able to move the ball in them over the past month. Like obviously, you know, beating up on Sam Donald is one thing because that's. I guess Bill Belichick's specialty, just putting yeah. Sam Donald <laughs> in the torture rack. I remember, I remember the first uh, primetime game I ever covered was the IC Ghost game. I was like, do I really want to be doing this? Like, is this, <laughs> <laughs> is this really what I want to be doing with my life? Uh, and, you know, I, so he's obviously a great coach, but then to come back the next week and just put the, like, beat the brakes off the Browns, which you know, I thought they were supposed to be better because they don't have Odo Beckham. So I don't know how they only scored seven points. It's uh, a weird thing. Weird, it's a weird, weird. thing. I mean, you, you lose bet, you lose players and you don't play as well. Uh, so, you know, th- that that was pretty uh, impressive to me because even without Odell, like they've been a good offense even when he hasn't done all that much. So just to come down and just shut them out totally uh, was super duper impressive to me. And then uh, – so you have like a really physical front seven. The guys they added in the offseason, like you got Hightower back. Matt Judon's been playing like an all-pro this year. Uh, Christian Barmore, the second-round pick uh, out of Alabama, defensive tackle. He's been one of the better defensive tackles in the league recently. Uh, and then you have even contributions from second-year players like Kyle Duggar in the back end. And then the 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 guy who's to me is like really making a go, J.C. Jackson, me, because not only – is right. he playing like insanely good man coverage, but he's also uh, getting his hands on balls and intercepting passes and, and making plays on the ball. So when you have a guy who's like almost becoming someone that you don't want to throw at paired with also just the mind of Bill Belichick and how physical they play up front. Uh, this is definitely like a defense that can get you to the Super Bowl. It just kind of matters if they can get enough out of Mac Jones the rest of the way to get them there. Yeah. I mean, Mac Jones obviously looked great uh, this past weekend. Lots of, Lots of hype for Mac Jones, uh, but yeah, I I remain someone who's a little skeptical about what he'll be able to do against uh, yeah. defenses and, and things get tighter in the playoffs. Uh, third, uh, third, third of the four verts is Russell Wilson actually healthy? Um, or no, that's the fourth one, right? We go, yeah, it's fourth. Um, oh no, we. I miss the I miss the Jets. Let's let's do actually let's do Russell Wilson. Sorry, I'm I'm bumping. Let's, let's right. save the Jets for last. Okay, we'll save the Jets because that's where they like to be. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, is Russell Wilson actually healthy? This is like one of these things in sports, man. That it just happens in every sport all the time. Like guys rush back, uh, and it's like often portrayed as valiant and. Like they just really, you know, and and Russell Wilson himself was like tweeting, like the pin is out, Mister Unlimited's coming back. Like, bro, just wait. <laughs> it's like just like Gino's like mostly fine, you know. Like you, you could like if you're gonna go out there and look as terrible as he looked, uh, you have the numbers in here: twenty of forty for one hundred sixty-one yards, two interceptions, quarterback ranking of thirteen. Thirteen. That's terrible. Like, yeah, just wait, just, just, just wait. And I, I don't even want to blame like Russell Wilson for this. It's like to me, it's just more like the culture of football. And I mean, like, yeah, at the NFL level, it's really intense. Like, where you just kind of have to play, and even if you don't like, you aren't feeling great. And I, I think that to me, like the Russell Wilson thing was because obviously he's going to play better than he did in that game once he gets healthier. Uh, but to me, like, you can't watch that game. 
and look at it and say, uh, like Geno Smith wouldn't have given them a better chance to win that game. And it, to me, that's not like an indictment on how good Russell Wilson is. It's just he's not healthy. Uh, and I think, you know, in, in football, there's such a rush to get back to the field, get back to what you're doing, that teams put themselves in this situation where they're they're putting players in the field that actually are hurting them. Uh, and the, you, like I said, you, you look at Russell Wilson play that game and, you know, like I was talking to, you know, our, our – Formerly deceased pal Stephen Ruiz, uh, this Never weekend, heard of yeah, <laughs> and he showed me a, a pass that Russell threw that kind of sparked the idea for this column. Where you know Russell is in the pocket, there's no pressure, there's someone to his left, wide open, like little five yard hitch route, no one's covering him, no pressure. He throws the ball like almost into the stands. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like there's no reason for you to be out here because you know a healthy you throws that pass, and I just kind of wonder. First of all, like, what's the thought process? Like, your finger is broken, and uh, you're playing in a snowy Lambeau field. Like, really, that's, that's the week you decide to come back, Russ. Yeah, uh, you, you have a line in here. If you've ever played football in a – if you've ever played in a cold football game with a fresh bone injury, you know. So, wait, have you done this? Have you played football in a – like – Oh, uh, one time we were playing in the snow when I was at Gettysburg, and I don't remember who we were playing against. Not the snow, but it was, like, freezing outside. And I remember I got – hit i took a shoulder or not shoulder a helmet right to my forearm and it was dude it it felt like someone took a baseball bat and just like bashed me on the arm but you know i went back out there and like every time something touches it it's just the most painful thing ever because like when it's cold all the all the pain is like accentuated uh in your in your in your arms so or just like all over your body so I know Russell couldn't have been feeling good to play that game. I know he probably didn't look great in warm-ups, but, you know, there's this culture in football where it's like, you got to get back. You got to get back. You got to not let your team down playing the game. And I think that that is a really unhealthy thing when you see someone who is hurting your team out there and, you know, you have a better option sitting on your bench. Right. Not and he don't play bad. Like, he played good. Right, right. Play. He was fine. He was yeah, and to be clear, Russell Wilson is one of the 10% of players in the league that – can do that. Like he can say, no, I need another week and nothing, nothing will happen. The problem with football is that the rest of the roster, right? Like maybe not, maybe not 90%, but a good 50% of the dudes in the roster, if they say, you know, if if a doctor says, Oh, you have four to six weeks and week four comes and they're not like pretending that they're itching to get back on the field, they get cut like they're, and then their career could be over. Like it's, you know, it is that cutthroat in the NFL, uh, you know, like that's something that should be fixed in the next CBA. Like uh, it's it's hard to fix because if you add more players to the roster, you know, obviously there's larger practice squads now that, that came out of the pandemic. Uh, but the more players you have getting a piece of the pie, the less each player gets. So it's hard to convince those players to take less money. But be, be, by saying to them, well, look, if you if you have more players in the roster and more flexibility uh, maybe you'll have longer careers. I mean, it's just hard to get them to understand that, but it's it's just really a, a broken system. It's, yeah. It puts way too much pressure on guys to come back quick. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Jets, man. The poor Jets. I almost yeah. skipped over the Jets entirely here. So. Okay, because I, I – maybe I, I put out a hot take. Uh, <laughs> you, got some, you got some pushback. Oh, I definitely got some pushback. I yeah. – I, 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 I'll talk to you about it when we get off, but there's something else funny happened related to that tweet. Uh, but uh, I was just kind of looking at this, and I was watching some of the Jets games from recent weeks, honestly, because I, I kind of have this fascination in football with things that are just like overtly terrible, and you like I like train wrecks so bad you can't look away. Uh, you know, I found watching the all twenty-two of the Cowboys' offense against the Falcons' defense to be pretty hilarious because there was just no resistance whatsoever. Uh, you're kind of playing on air, and that's really how the Jets' defense has been playing for like the past month. Uh, so I think what they've they've given up like forty-three point eight points per game uh, over the past month, and I was just like, dude, like, is this going to get Rob Sale fired? And I, I don't think that it will because you know you're at the start of a five-year contract and it's kind of tough to just eat that money if you're an owner to be paying someone to not work for you because, you know, unlike the players, the coaches' contracts, like you're going to see most of that money if something bad happens. Uh, and 
And then I started digging, like, how bad is this Jets defense really like over the past month? So, you know, if you're not familiar with what the Jets have done uh, over the past four games, so they come off their bye after they lose to the Falcons in London and they give up 54 to the Patriots in a loss, obviously. Uh, They gave up 31 to the Bengals in a win, then 45 to the Colts in a loss and 45 to the Bills in a loss. And I'm just sitting there like, how is this possible? Uh, and, you know, they, it, I don't want to say that they've quit, but it doesn't really look like they're putting forth their best effort. I mean, they're just getting beat by the same run plays over and over again, the same pass plays over and over again. And teams are just lighting them the hell up, with like not even having to, like, push the playbook or even think that much uh, about what's going on. So, you know, I, I looked at some of the advanced numbers and over the past month of football, uh, the Jets are giving up like what point? Uh, 0.348 expected points added per play. So, uh, which is really crazy because uh, like, honestly, like if you were just to take that and add it, like every three plays, the Jets are giving up a point worth of value, which is just absolutely disgusting. And then uh, over the past month, they're 31st or 32nd, obviously. And 31st would be the Chicago Bears who are giving up uh, 0.201 expected points added per play. So the Jets are almost twice as bad as a 31st ring defense over the past month of football. Like, let that sink in. Like, you are twice as bad as the other worst team in the league. Uh, and in order for the Bears to get that bad, like, they had to suffer injuries. Uh, Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, some depth guys. I mean, this is not a defense playing at full strength. And, you know, to be fair, neither are the Jets. But can you at least play competitive football? Like, I don't really think that that is asking for too much, you know? So, right. uh it's just kind of an embarrassment to what the Jets are uh, doing right now. And I don't really know how you can have like supreme faith that this is going to be the hire that works out for you after, you know, you failed at all the other ones just based on what's happened recently. And then today uh, they were talking about like a miscommunication on the sidelines with who was going to call timeout with seven seconds left in the playcock. And they got a delay of game on like fourth and one. It's just, come on. Like, I, I don't really know like how they're operating right now, how you can have faith that they're going to get it together for in the future. Yeah. I mean, you made the comparison to Steve Wilkes who got fired after one season uh, with the Cardinals. And it's, you know, there's a lot of similarities. Wilkes was a highly touted defensive guy. I mean, I think he almost got the Rams head coaching job when it went to McVay. And then the next season uh, he was like a really popular choice and the Cardinals ended up grabbing him, and the Cardinals went what three and thirteen, and then it, you know, they they moved on immediately. It was sort of the same thing. I mean, it's certainly like us sitting here right now. I think it's a very reasonable thing to say, like, oh yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna fire Robert Sal after what you know, that's that's a ridiculous thing. But if we're sitting here after Christmas, and the Jets are three, I mean, they would what finish three and fourteen, I guess. But if they only like this Jets team could only win one more game, right? They're getting ready to start unvaccinated Joe Flacco as their quarterback. <laughs> so, uh, like, it's very possible that this team does not win many more games. Yeah, uh, and I, I was kind of—I mean, obviously, like when you say they should fire a head coach potentially in the first year, you're going to get some pushback. But I don't really know how you can feel good about that. You know, Jets fans were saying, "Oh, you know, we've been a." It's been a really tough stretch for us. I'm like, I guess, man, like Patriots, Bengals, Colts, Bills, like that's definitely not the easiest, but a competent team doesn't give up like 44 points per game over that stretch. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty embarrassing and pretty crazy. And, and, you know, like I sure like having Carl Lawson out there would help. Uh, but I think they really like misjudged, uh, how bad their secondary was coming to the year because they kind of, they didn't really do anything at cornerback outside of uh, just plugging some rookies and young guys. And now you know, they're just in a weird spot. And I just, in another funny Jets thing is like, I just love how they're going through this unvaccinated stuff for goddamn Joe Flacco. <laughs> Amazing. The Jets have given two, given up 296 points, 296. The, the Houston Texans, who we basically have all admitted are just not even really trying, have given up 258. I mean, like, Robert yeah. Sala is a defensive coach. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like you're, you're on you're on pace to give up over 600 points this season. Come on. 
do something. Fight back. Like, let's go. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's get some picks. We've, uh, what we got? We got, yeah, we're at the 50 minute mark. We yeah. Got a good time. This. You know, yeah, let's, let's pick through. Like I said, Charles three and 11 last week. Uh, you know, somewhat understandable. Other Charles went five and a nine. It was just a, just a weird week, man. It's yeah. Just a, just a rough week. All right. Pats at Falcons. Falcons Pats. are getting six and a half. Pats, yeah. Pats. I don't even know why I asked you about that. I mean, we, we talked about it earlier in the show, but that four and five record for the Falcons is not real. It's been fun, but, you know, it's fake. There's a uh, there's a fun bet out there from Tipico uh, on whether or not the score at any point in this game will be 28 to three. So, uh, man, I don't know, because I think I think they might skip over that and just go <laughs> like 30, 31 to three or something like that. Or, <laughs> the Falcons might not even score three. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's not get too optimistic. Uh, Texans and Titans. Titans are giving nine and a half. Yeah, I think this Titans team is like not as good as. You know, be the number like right now. They're the number one seed in the AFC, uh, and I don't think they're that good. But hey, like they've been racking off the wins. And to me, picking the Titans for this nine and a half point spread is more about how bad the Texans are than how good the Titans are. Uh, I think this is going to be a blowout, but like not the fun kind, like a scrap. Like you know, I could see, I could see like you know, a twenty three to nothing kind of win. Right. Uh, Colts at Bills. Bills are a seven and a half point favorite. Probably one of the more interesting games of the week. Uh, you know, people are beginning to have a little bit of faith in the Colts again. I do not because I have watched a whole lot of Carson Wentz football. Yep. And you do not. You went with the Bills. Yeah, I, I think they're going to smash the Colts. Uh, I mean, I, I I can't quit this Bills team. I think they're really, really freaking good. Uh, and, you know, I know people got down on them after that Jaguars loss, but they kind of showed you the week after, like why they're you know one of the best teams. Uh, in the league, and more importantly, that defense is crazy right now. Like they are uh, blowing people out of the water on defense, uh, and they seem to have caught like the bug, the turnover bug on defense. Like you know, usually from year to year, it's kind of hard to sustain your turnover production, but they've caught fire this year. And you know what, uh, Carson Wentz, he's going to give you a few opportunities to go get that ball. Uh, if you if you uh, are willing to capitalize that on that, and I think that they, that they will. Uh, Buffalo to me ha- has like by far the best defense in the league. I'm not really even sure it's close. Uh, and to me, this is a situation where you know they can get stops on Carson Wentz, and when Carson Wentz feels like he needs to press and make plays, that's kind of when the disasters come. And this Bills defense has been better than anyone at capitalizing on the mistakes this year. Uh, Saints at Eagles. Am I reading this right? The Eagles are a point and a half favorite? Uh, yeah, I, which is kind of weird. Uh, I, I guess because they, they just won and the Saints lost. They're down on uh, yeah. I, Saints I guess not having a quarterback. Yeah, that's got to be it. But I just I, I kind of struggle to see how the Eagles will score on the Saints defense. Uh, to me, this is one of those games that you bet, but you don't watch. Like, just stay away from like, <laughs> watching, watching it because, like, I don't really see how this is going to be, a, like, an enjoyable watch. But I do think that the Saints are going to uh, pull this one off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people were bullish on Jalen Hurts' performance against Denver. Uh, in Denver, obviously, it's generally a well-coached defense, a big Fangio team. Like, he did some things. He made some throws. I mean, I saw some plays where – uh, you know, it looked like he was making the adjustments he needs to make to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, I mean, to me, it still feels like sort of a moot point because, like, there's the Eagles obviously are going to have three, maybe top 20 picks now or whatever. But um, I, I don't think there's a quarterback out there that they're going to want to take. You, you know, they, I, I don't think, I don't, who's, who's the number one guy in most mock drafts right now? Mac, the Mac Coral guy? Like, yeah, it's like, like come on, Thibodeau. Uh, Derek Stingley, like it's a, it's not a it's not a great draft class, this right? Year. Like none of them are 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 clearly above what you already have with Jalen Hurts. So I'm not even sure how much it matters um, at this point. But uh, he is he is taking some steps. Uh, we got Washington, the football team at the Panthers. Cam Newton's team is a three and a half point favorite here. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Panthers. Cam getting his uh, revenge over Ron Rivera. Uh, even though I'm pretty sure they still have a, a, a solid relationship. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like this Panthers team was – you look at it and you're like, man, like if they had a solid quarterback, they could pull out some games that they were winning earlier in the season when 
before we like Sam Darnold kind of take that tanked everything. Uh, and now, you know, you got Cam, who I think is much better than Sam. Uh, and I think that this, that's going to be enough for them to cover the spread and get this win. Yeah. Yeah, this is a game that I might watch just to see what the Panthers do with Cam. You know, they've talked this week about like, hey, we're trying to figure out what type of routes he likes to, to throw and what we can do. And, I, you know, I love – not that I've watched a lot of Panthers – offense up to this point because as you said Sam Darnold was running it so not really on my appointment viewing list but I would uh would like to see you know a comparison of like what they were doing before and how they're adjusting it to camp that would be mm-hmm. an interesting film study there uh Ravens at Bears Bears are getting five and a half uh yeah I actually went with the Bears just because I, I I think that the Ravens like so they they kind of struggle I think when teams have like solid upfront talent. And even though the Bears are missing Khalil Mack, like still about Roquan Smith, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, like I think that that's going to be uh, tough for the Ravens to like, consistently move the ball. Like it's just going to be Lamar Jackson heroics again, probably. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think that this Ravens defense is really bad right now. And uh, the last time we saw Justin Fields, he was playing well against a defense that's much better than the Ravens with the Steelers. So, uh, I, I don't know if the Bears can win this, but I do think that they can definitely cover the spread. And, you know, the Bears, like, they kind of do this thing, kind of like the Giants do. We'll talk about them in a second, where they, they make you play down to their level and you just get kind of into a rock fight with them. Uh, it's just really ugly football. Like, even the game where Justin Fields got sacked, like, eight times or whatever, I, I still don't think that the Bears, like, the Browns offense played, like, particularly well in that game. It's just every Bears game kind of feels the same, where it's an eyesore to watch until, the, like, the last – three minutes and then it's kind of fun. I think that's what we're going to get here. All right. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's right. I mean, that is, there are some of those teams that like you just watch them and uh, you're expecting the other team to, to be so much better and they just get, it's just muck. Just get dragged down into it. Uh, Dolphins and Jets. This is what I was laughing at. <laughs> Dolphins and Jets. Jets are getting three and a half. Charles uh, Curtis, come on, Joe Flacco starting, Charles McDonald, Joe Flacco. <laughs> yep. You went with the Dolphins here. Yep. Uh, Joe Flacco is wearing number 19 for the Jets. <laughs> oh, man. That's literally, that's literally all I have. 49ers at Jaguars. Jaguars are getting six and a half after the 49ers finally played pretty well. Yeah, I think the 49ers have like become a little bit underrated. Uh, just like – their passing game is pretty efficient, even though it doesn't look pretty all the time. Uh, their run game is kind of getting better with Elijah Mitchell. The defense is like, eh, okay. But I, I do think that's enough to kind of smash the Jaguars. Uh, I I just don't believe in this Jaguars team whatsoever. Uh, they kind of got close against the Colts last week. But, like, if you watch a little bit of the game, then you saw that the Colts are definitely the better team. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I do think that the 49ers are – Gonna cover the six and a half point spread. Uh, Lions at Browns. Browns minus ten and a half. This is disrespect for our friends, the Lions. The Lions tied a football game, Charles. It happened, man. They they got a tie. They finally did. They're gonna avoid being the first O in seventeen team in NFL history. Might be the first O sixteen and one team, which is probably even harder to do. But sure. Uh, yeah, but, but I'm, I'm glad that we're going to – let's stop on this game for a second because it looks like Jared Goff is hurt and the going to start Tim Boyle, uh, who if you're not familiar, Tim Boyle used to be like a practice squad slash backup for the Green Bay Packers for a couple of years. And the fact that Tim Boyle is even in the NFL is honestly a miracle. So if you look at – the NFL's a meritocracy, Charles. What are you talking about? What yeah, if you possibly be saying? Let's just peruse Tim Boyle's stats on uh, sportsreference.com that shows his stats while he was a quarterback at the University of Connecticut. Uh, while Tim Boyle was in college, he completed 48.4% <laughs> for 1,237 yards. He averaged uh, 4.5 yards an attempt. He averaged 2.4 adjusted yards per attempt. And the reason his adjusted yards per attempt, which, you know, calculate, which adds in, uh, it, it, can, it converts touchdowns to interceptions to yards to just get you one nice clean number. Uh, the reason his number is so much lower there is because Tim threw one touchdown to 13 interceptions at the University of Connecticut. 
So again, if you're listening at home and your jaw's dropping, 48% completion percentage, 4.5 yards per attempt, one touchdown, 13 interceptions. How at does- UConn, you can never trust a UConn quarterback. Any quarterback who ever played at UConn, just do not trust them whatsoever. How the hell did he get to the NFL? I, I mean, like, of course, it's a meritocracy. It's a meritocracy. There's like, you know, the big, tall, white guy with a strong arm, which he definitely has. But this guy at no point has like proved he's a quality quarterback. Here he is getting paid to do so. I mean, more power to him. But uh, yeah, just in terms of betting on this game, I'm never going to trust a quarterback who couldn't throw more than one touchdown in college. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that explains why this line is so why it's ten and a half uh, yeah. after the Browns got shellacked. Yeah. Uh, Packers Vikings uh, probably going to be a close game because it involves the Vikings. Uh, Vikings are getting two and a half here. Yeah, I went with the Vikings. Uh, I think they're going to cover the spread. I don't think I don't know if they're going to win here though. They just right. they they are never like quite out of it. Like no matter who they're playing, like even it's it's so funny because like they can almost lose to the Cooper or they they did lose to the Cooper Rush Cowboys. And then they can almost beat the Ravens like on the road like, with, you know, who I picked to be the MVP this year. So uh, they're definitely a weird team. I think they're going to cover the spread, but I don't know if they're going to win. Uh, like they, they still have a lot of talent, uh, you know, even with their, their losing record. They're still uh, a pretty solid team. They just can't, you know, get across the finish line as much as they want. Bengals at Raiders. Raiders are getting a point and a half. Uh, Bengals. I took the Bengals. I just don't really know. This, like it's not really their fault because this Raiders team has been through a lot of crap this year, but right. uh, they're just kind of falling apart, which I, I think is it's expected. Like when you go through all that they've gone through, Coach Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, it's just it. it I mean, it's it's real life stuff that makes it hard to focus on on work. So uh, I'm rolling with the Bengals because this Raiders season seems to be tanking a little bit. Uh, Cardinals at Seahawks. Uh, you know, really interesting to see how the Cardinals bounce back after. Losing to the Panthers, Seahawks are getting two and a half here. Yeah, I think Kyler will. Uh, he should be back this week because he almost played last week, um, and Russell Wilson should be healthier. Uh, so I think this game will actually be pretty fun to watch. But uh, I took the Cardinals just because uh, I think they're the better team, really. And I know the Seahawks defense is playing better as of late, uh, but this is still going to be a, a you know a tough matchup for them all the way around. Like if if Kyler and DeAndre are healthy. I really do think the Cardinals should win by at least a touchdown. Uh, Cowboys at Chiefs. This will be a really fun game to watch. Uh, Chiefs are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Vegas obviously still has some belief in the Chiefs, and they did play well against the Raiders. Right? Yeah, they blew the Raiders out last week. Yeah, they went with the Cowboys. Yeah, I went with the Cowboys. I just think they're the better team. Like Kansas City's defense has played better in recent weeks, but not enough to stop like an offense that is this good. And not, not only that, but kind of like the Bills, I don't like the Bills defense is on a whole is a lot better uh, than the Cowboys. But the Cowboys are kind of doing something similar where they're able to capitalize on uh, some of these like misplays uh, and turnovers. Because, you know, just watch that Falcons game, uh, even on plays where it doesn't look like they should be making turnovers. They just kind of got the turnover bug this year. Uh, they're, they're getting big plays, interceptions and. Uh, Mahomes has definitely put it up this year. And I think in a game like this where he's going to have to press to score points, those opportunities are going to be there. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I'm just like hoping this game's good after, you know, after last week. Just give us some good football games. That's, that's yep. the main thing. Please. Uh, yeah. Steelers at Chargers. Chargers minus five and a half. Ugh. Yeah, uh, I went with the Chargers. I, I don't know. I just don't like watching the Steelers. That's really all I got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, like, I, do, I do think the Steelers team is getting better, but just to come in and stop Herbert, I think it's going to be kind of tough for them. So I'm rolling with the uh, the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, the Chargers are going through some uh, some growing pains. Is what it, what it seems like. Oh yeah, they're definitely yeah. they're definitely very high on our list. I think of teams to watch next year but uh, yeah and i mean they're, they're fun to watch this year it's just right. like you definitely see uh, at times rookie head coach second year quarterback mm-hmm. and I, I think the fact that like their floor is still this high is really promising for the future right yeah no question 
Uh, Giants at Bucks. Bucks are ten and a half point favorite. As Charles Curtis points out here, angry Tom Brady usually uh, usually plays well the next week. I took the you, Giants. Yeah, uh, I like that though. Just because it's a ten and a half point spread, and like the Giants are off. Like they're definitely bad, but I, I kind of view them as more just like a below average team that's like kind of underachieving than like a truly bad like Texans, Lions, Jets like caliber of team. Uh, I, 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 they're kind of like the Bears where, you know, you can get into a rock fight or they can pull you down to the mud. You can get into a rock fight with them, even though uh, they're not playing all that well. So I'm going to roll with the Giants. Um, and I think we're going to probably, they're definitely going to lose this game. But I, I think that that 10 and a half point spread is a little bit too hot because uh, they can play defense in some spots, and you know they can do just enough on offense to keep these games like competitive in a boring way. Yeah. All right, I think that's all we got for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us here at the counter. Find us online. He's at Forberts. I'm at Chris Corman. Uh, you know, talk about whatever. Yeah. Rest in peace, Young Dolph. Yeah, yeah, man, that's sad. It was really sad. Uh, so you know, we're uh, like I'm. I'm actually going home to. Uh, Charlotte this weekend for the holidays. Oh, yeah? You'll be, yeah. You'll be there for Thanksgiving? Nice. I will. Yeah, I'm going on Saturday, and I'm probably going to come back around New Year's. So. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, that, that's the beauty of this job. You get a nice month at home to hang out. So a bunch of my friends are coming over on Saturday uh, when I get home. I'm sure we're going to be, you know, bumping a lot of young golf. Rest in peace to that, man. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Take care. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, – human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.